please listen to Sci-Fi Saturday Night by Matt Weinhold, and I think the show makes a lot more sense than Prometheus. We will begin a mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. Don't think you can be so easily. It is now time for us to put Earth under our roof. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that you will give you witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message you will bring your people. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Bye by Saturday night. Good evening, everybody. It's TalkCast 168, and here deep in Area 51, it's freaking cold. Uh, I'm not saying nothing, anybody doesn't know, but uh, it, it, it's January 24th, 2013. It's freaking cold. That's all I'm saying. Deep in Area 51 on the sub-level I-405 Plaza Slauson Cutoff, where you take a left cut off your Slauson, behind the Book Burning <laughs> Pavilion, standing next to uh, uh, Francois Truffaut and Ray Bradbury, because that's the only warm spot there is. I am the Dome. Joining the talk cast tonight are the usual suspects in the Revere Time Vortex, the violent soundboard vixen, chief architect that all that is technical, and queen of unstable petroleum byproducts, it's Kriana. I've just had a new suicide booth installed. Is it working for you? We'll find out. Awesome. Clearly not yet. <laughs> well, you've got the pause button on. From the stacks of her personal silent zone in the dank dungeon reading room, cool, calm, and collected, or or freezing and shivering, she's got books. She knows how to use them. Zombrarian. So, um, did you see? I added a tauntaun to my rider for this show. Oh, I'll expect uh, one here by the end of the evening. Your expectations are due to be dashed. <laughs> From the Four Color Vault of Comics in Manchester, New Hampshire, we're not hearing her fan tonight, so I'm guessing uh, it's probably cool enough for her. Our lovely ingenue, the woman who is both red hot and icy cold at the same time, with her Barnabas, a zombie cat, the Whew. dead redhead. It's so cold you can actually freeze uh, a UFO on the Arctic Circle. As long as Barnabas doesn't start blogging, I'm all good. <laughs> no, he's he's laying on the on the very comfy bed right now with all the covers wrapped all over him. So put him in the comfy bed. Oh wait. <laughs> Our guest tonight from Aresia, Boston, Rachel Silver, will be joining us after the halftime show, which will not be uh, Jessica Beale. Who is the halftime show this year? Anyway, uh, moving on. Hey, as, as be... long as there's a wardrobe malfunction, it doesn't matter. Well, Isn't somebody could be Beyonce, and then they can figure out whether she's actually singing or if it's Memorex or not. <laughs> well, if there's a wardrobe malfunction, it could. Well, never mind. <laughs> Almost went to the creepy jar early. Staying away from it. Hmm. Okay. So far. <laughs> so far. Been an interesting week for all kinds of stuff going on. Stuff we want to talk about, some stuff we'd rather not talk about. And I forgot where we were going to start. Oh, no, I remember now where we were going to start. What does the name Frank Darabont mean to any of you? Nothing. Walking Dead. Zombies. Zombies, The Walking Dead. Frank Darabont, 
was the guy who really made Walking Dead, the TV show, work, and for all his hard work, got fired for it. He was yep. not responsible for Season of the Barn. No, he no, was not. No, he was fired at the end of Season 1, and then Season of the Barn uh, was the new showrunner who was hired for half the amount of money because they cut the uh, budget for the show significantly so that Mad Men could show more cleavage, cleavage on AMC. In any case, they're about has gone on to bigger and better things. One of the things that he's just finished shopping around and is actually going to start shooting because it's scheduled for a May 2014 release is his new script of Godzilla. Woo! And, I hope it's good. Uh, well, he wants to maintain the legacy of the original story. If it's not good, then dingoes ate your baby. That's right. Hey, as long as he doesn't want to maintain anything from Ferris Bueller's Godzilla, it's got to be better. <laughs> Ferris Bueller's Godzilla. That's right. <laughs> is, <laughs> Ferris Bueller's very bad day. Yes. <laughs> With things that aren't really Godzilla, but are just giant monsters. With 100% uh, more Jacob Dylan. There you go. There we go. <laughs> I love that guy. Well, a lot of people don't realize, and we were talking about it a little bit before the show started, is what some of the stuff that Frank Darabout's kind of responsible for. Um, for people who are sci-fi oriented, uh, the movie Trancers, The Blob, Fly 2. All right, not, not maybe the best Fly movie, but... Which Blob? The remake does... with uh, Kevin Dillon in it? Yes. Ah. Okay. Not the better one, but... Not the better one of those either. Uh, but he was also responsible for uh, his writing for The Shawshank Redemption, The Good Green Star. Mile, and, and The Mist. Those are good movies. Well, those, at least two those of those. Well, <laughs> I was going to say The Mist? <laughs> really? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't see The Mist, so I can't honestly say, but I thought Green Mile was amazing, and Shawshank is a wonderful movie. So, yeah, Shawshank I'll step is in. a great movie. Thank you, Tim Robbins. Anyhow, Frank yeah. Darabont is, has got a, a uh, TV show in USA happening in the next couple of months, and Godzilla scheduled for a May 2014 release. It sounds like great, great fun, because Darabont has got the, the, the bona fides to make it work. Well, it'll be interesting if Pacific Rim doesn't do well which i hope to god it does i hope it lives up to what i'm really hoping it will be if pacific rim doesn't do well though you never know what'll happen with godzilla because well the only if, thing i think that could kill pacific rim right now is if the trailers are not part of basically the movie <laughs> the entire movie yeah I mean, you know there have been so many movies in in the past years past couple of years where you know, the trailer is the best part of the movie. Yep. And, and the rest of it's filler. Uh, you know, <laughs> it has every possibility of that happening. Like the Avengers? No, not like the Avengers, which was, in fact, a terrific movie. Yes, I'm not was. saying it wasn't entertaining. No, but did, did you see the... Okay, okay. Disclaimer. Zombrian and I just watched it for the first time. <laughs> okay. But... Did you know there was an honest trailer for the Avengers? 
Honest trailer? Yeah, yeah. We talked about the honest trailer for Lord of the Rings la- the other week. Oh, oh. There, there's an there's now. an honest trailer for the Avengers, and they make a couple really really good points. I gotta hand it to them. Like, how did the Hulk learn to control his rages in thirty seconds with no explanation? And no, he'd been working on that though. Not in that movie. Oh, not yeah, in that absolutely. movie, but he had been working. Everybody, everybody in comic books knows how long Bruce Banner's been okay, working Okay, okay, wait, 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 but you, you can't pull comic books into this because it's a whole new continuum here. <laughs> no, you absolutely can't. No, you absolutely can't. You, you can't pull the comic book timeline into this because it doesn't work that way. It does. It not can't. only does it work it that way, it doesn't work without it being that way. It, it can't work that way. Yes. It does. Uh, you kids, you know, get off my lawn. <laughs> yeah, X isn't here. Okay, but but okay, look. Just within that movie, in in a ten minute span, he goes from not being able to distinguish that the Black Widow is his friend and he probably shouldn't kill her, to I'm always angry and I'm just gonna kill the aliens and all of a sudden I can tell who's my friend or not. All of a sudden. In thirty, in like the span of five minutes, I'm serious. Comics notwithstanding, I mean, this is this is within the movie. But within the other Hulk movies, we've established that he's been trying to take care of this for years, but unsuccessfully. And he was clearly unsuccessful during the movie. He was like, "I'm mad, and therefore I smash things and break the ship, and then." He falls. Well, that's Iron Man's fault. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> and then he falls, and all of a sudden, magically, he can now control it. That's one thing. That's one and thing. All say, right. Thing and number I don't two. Say that that may, that, why? That's not even correct. Why okay. would Tony Stark repair the spaceship for twenty minutes? Seriously, what was the point of that? He likes to do that shit. <laughs> okay. Fine. Number three. How the hell were they talking to each other? They didn't actually have headsets. I thought they did. I mean, they, I, they, no, they don't they have They kept holding their hands up to their ears. And there's no headset. Because, I mean, an Iron Man can talk to the ship because to- Tony Stark wires himself This is not everything. Iron Man that I'm talking about. He's I'm talking touch. about Captain America. I'm talking about the Hulk. And, and Thor even does it at one point. <laughs> Thor never wears an earpiece. We've... I can't. Hey, all you know you couldn't tell anyway, but that's all right. Hey, Ripley muscles, what can I say? <laughs> Second of all, what's the deal with that purple guy? That... Oh, the purple man. They actually did a brief appearance of the purple man, which again, you have to know the comics to get well, it. Well, right, but but who was that and why do we care? The I want... purple man is, oh, he's evil. His name is actually the purple man? Yeah, it's the stupidest yeah, name absolutely. ever. I agree. Okay, but <laughs> I thought you were just—I thought I was like, oh, know. you know, he's the purple man. No, he was like mind raping characters. He's horrible. He's evil, evil, evil. Okay, hmm. so there. I'm not kidding you. <laughs> All right. I think she's serious about this one. You may I be am. serious. You may be serious, and um, I I did appreciate Joss's writing. I'm not saying it was a horrible film. I'm just saying the Hulk didn't make much sense. And they didn't have earpieces, and the aliens were kind of lame, and the bromance between Bruce Banner and Tony Stark was <laughs> amazing. I loved it. Well, you know, it's funny if you go back. But if you go back in the comic book series, uh, 
the Hulk has had a few bromances in his time. Like with Wolverine and... Yes! <laughs> what? Oh my gosh, this needs to happen. Dear Joss Whedon. <laughs> please make this happen on screen. Please, 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 please make this happen. Hugh Jackman and the Hulk. <laughs> I, I kind of like the guy that they got to play Bruce Banner. Yeah. I, I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna put that out there. Not I, I'm not sure how most people feel about him. He's not Edward Norton, but and that was no, the big tag issue. But, but yeah, I mean I the most of the comic book community agrees that the that that he picked up a doing well after we lost Ed Norton because apparently Ed Norton was a pain in the ass to work with. Oh I was just, I got really scared. I was like, is Ed Norton dead? Did I miss something? No, no, okay, no. good. Also apparently, who, what I remember so, of what little I've seen of the Hulk comic books and or the older series, the guy, the new guy looks, Mark Ruffalo looks a lot more like Bruce Banner as I remember him than Edward Norton does. Edward Norton is Edward Norton could be a Tony Stark. Edward Norton Edward Norton was more of the Bill Bixby generation Hulk, right. which again Dome is going to have to go with me on this one because I know yeah. you guys have no idea who Bill Bixby is. Not even but a he, bit. Bill Bixby was this kind of skinny, kind of pasty-looking guy when he was um, when he was actually David Banner on the TV series. What? They felt yes. this horrible need to change his name for the TV yes. series. Because that's what needs to happen. Instead of Bruce Banner, they gave him David Banner. Dr. David Banner. Dr. David Banner. Because it makes so much difference. Yeah, nobody quite knows why that happened, other than they didn't like the name Bruce for some reason. <laughs> Hello, I'm Bruce Banner, and I'm the Hulk. <laughs> basically how that happened. But Nobody's going to buy that. Okay. But name him Bruce- David. <laughs> Bill Bixby was the Hulk for was at least two or three seasons, and yes, people and loved him. Right. People just loved it because he had that look about him, like he's a poor little puppy, and we have to take care of him. Which Ed Norton was actually able to pull off. I can see Ed Norton pulling that off. Right. The yeah. problem was that's not really how Bruce Banner was. I mean, right. that's not really how he was in the comic books. That's not really, you know, the dichotomy between the human and, and the Hulk was not, hello, I'm this mousy little boy. It was. Right. Well, and, no, I, I really like the way that he came off in the Avengers because yeah. he was very competent and very smart. And exactly. he knew what was going on and he had control of the situation. The other complete character 180 that happened was Tony Stark. Oh boy, was he a different person. Well, yeah, yeah, actually. No, Tony's, Tony Stark was once again, you know, guided by enlightened self-interest, which is all Tony Stark ever well, is. Well, no, no, no. I, th- I think he was a very different person, and I think it's the difference between inspired and uninspired writing. True, but also in the movies, they're going towards his whole, Tony Stark has to have his alcoholism breakdown. Uh, right. That's fine. And then... It's going to happen but, soon. But he was basically just a dick, and he wasn't even an interesting dick in the first two Iron Man movies. But that's what Iron Man is a dick. <laughs> well, well, right, but he was still, but he wasn't, he wasn't not a dick kid. in the Avengers. He was still a dick, but he was an amusing dick. He was yeah. interesting, yeah. he was clever, which I think he should be. I mean, should come be. on. Right. You, what memorable line do you have from Iron Man 1 or 2? Absolutely nothing. The Avengers, we're going to have shawarma after. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. He's yeah. clever and he's 
he's all of a sudden a human instead of just this like walking penis. Yeah. A walking no, vibrator. Just a walking vibrator, yes. No, vibrators are useful. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I was speaking of Iron Man, who is right. in fact an appliance. But not a useful one. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he has lousy, lousy enemies. That's the one thing. Everybody's like, oh, we're going to get another Iron Man movie. Who's going to be the enemy? Some oh, it, it's, it's the Asian guy. It's the racist one. <laughs> they already know that, right? For Iron Man 3, because we yeah. needed that. I mean, frankly, they should be banned from doing any more Iron Man unless Joss is writing him. Seriously. Well, what's I'm happened sorry. What's happened with the whole Marvel universe of movies right now is Joss is actually getting final script approval on every... Marvel movie leading into uh, Avengers 2. You know what? That should scare the piss out of DC. No shit. And you know why it should scare the piss out of DC? Because DC has just finished talking about what they're doing with Justice League at this point. Oh, Jesus Christ. Here we go. And Justice League is supposed to be the big franchise for DC that, that, that is going to take the Avengers, you know, to the wall. And the so freaking the, Justice League is so boring. Wait, 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 wait. I'm, I'm gonna, sorry. I'm going to prove to you how boring it actually is. The big question is going to be, has been for like the past six months, who are they going to use? Which characters are going to actually be in the Justice League movie? Are you ready for this? If you Please tell me yes. they're using Aquaman because I will die. That's ridiculous Wait. because there is a Justice League. There are certain characters who are the Justice League. But all right, all right, hit me. Who is it? Movie. Here's the announcement. Superman. Yeah. Yeah. Batman. Okay. Yeah. Green Lantern. Yeah. Sure. The Flash. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And Wonder Woman. That's right. I'm that surprised. Is. Oh, wait, no. There's not a freaking surprise there at all. But that's who the Justice League is. I was worried you were going to say they were going to stick Aquaman in there because Aquaman, Aquaman is, is so part, useless. Aquaman is part of the Justice League. Is part of the Justice League. I mean, he is useless, but you know. What There's they're so saying is that there is a second string of Which? Justice Leaguers Here's who are the, going to have brief possible appearances. Among them may be the Martian Manhunter. Yay! Which frankly is one of the most interesting. Hawkman. Who knows who that is? Not me. I do. Okay. And hold your breath and call a porpoise. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. Poor Aquaman. I mean Really, the poor character. <laughs> it was just badly conceived and badly written from the start. And no one has said, you know what? We should really just find a dignified way to get rid of this guy. Yeah, you should oh. just let him drown. <laughs> uh, uh, let him go. Uh, you know they had Aquaman because they because Marvel had Submariner, who is a much better character. <laughs> It doesn't need all the sea creatures to do his bit. I mean, Submariner once tried to soothe the human race, okay? (laughs) He's a 
He's a prince and he acts like a freaking prince. He's got an ego the size of Mars. I mean. <laughs> so here's the worst part about the Justice League movie. Oh, God, there's a worst part? There is a worst part. <laughs> okay. okay. We know who the director of Avengers 2 is. Dirk. No question. Yep. yep. Okay, I, because I it's the that. flagship of the Marvel movies right now. Yeah. It's like that's that's the movie you want to direct. Justice League is supposed to be the flagship of the DC movies. Gonna so take on well rumors have it. JJ Abrams. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my uh, no. it's either that or, or George Lucas. Ah! No, no, no. Rumors have it. Ben Affleck. Oh my god! Really? No, you know what? Tea just went up my nose. <laughs> There's another rumor. You seriously just made that up. You, ben no. Affleck just won. That sucks. The Academy well, Award. Well, or the that Golden says Globe. more about the Golden Globes than it does about Ben Right, and a few movies about going over to the Middle East and trying to get prisoners back. That has nothing to do with Justice League. <laughs> I, I'll give you who the other rumor is. Steven Spielberg. Lana and Andy Warshawski. What? Yeah. Did not make me spit my tea. Matrix. Uh, did you However, say that? You did not say that correctly, Dome. That's also the guys who did From Hell, and that didn't turn out so well either. I enjoyed it. <laughs> the oh, reality oh. is, nobody is saying, I want to do it. Uh, yeah. Um, all right. So I've gotten us completely off track here. But since since we sort of went towards Victorian England a little bit, uh, I'm going to bring up a, the new TV show, The Following. Anyone else see that, Tracy? Oh, I oh, have a DVR. Oh, I God. Oh, I God. Wrong yeah. time period, but go ahead. Close enough. Wrong time period. Well, I yeah, it's not really no, didn't really. Work. I did see Ripper Street, but I didn't get to see the following yet. The following was good. I liked it. Yeah, Rip, Ripper Street is interesting. Actor. It was interesting enough for me to want to see a second one and see what they do with it. it. it I like that they're saying that it's it's Whitechapel and it's like two to three years after the Ripper, but it's not going to be about the Ripper. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Did you so see the it, BBC series Whitechapel? I did not see that. Hmm. This is a BBC series, though. Ripper Street. Yeah, is BBC. yeah, I know. I haven't, I haven't seen that though. I, but I did finish the first season of Whitechapel recently, and it was not that great, so I wouldn't bother. This wasn't bad. Like I said, I, I want to see a second one and see if they're going to go somewhere with it. Um, but we'll see. It's got that fe the same feel that Copper did, and I didn't like Copper. Yeah. So. Yeah. Hey, I have some really, really good news for uh, the Star Trek community. I'm sure I have the best news that. the Star Trek community may have ever gotten. Uh-oh. J.J. Abrams is directing the Star Wars movie. <laughs> so you he can no up Because that, franchise. that franchise hasn't been shot on enough lately. <laughs> Look, uh, as far as far as I'm concerned, this is the best news the Star Trek franchise ever got. Because, <laughs> frankly, it means he can get the hell away from it 
it can forget the two movies he's done for it have ever existed. And we can now move back into the legacy timeline that exists with characters in the Roddenberry Bible back the way it should be and let the people who really cared about the franchise move it forward. I saw I saw an article this week about uh, Benedict Cumberpatch speaking out about uh, his costuming and how you could see his Benedict Cumberpatch. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> well, there's a reason to go. I believe the exact quote was you can almost tell what religion I am. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Wow. It's tight pants. That's like James West pants. <laughs> you nice. Can... So, ladies. Hello, <laughs> ladies. See his Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> that never gets old. No, you yeah. can do that one over and over again. <laughs> Colon. Speaking <laughs> <laughs> yeah. of at some point, you know, we've got to get that crazy lady back on for uh, to talk about season two of Holliston. Yeah. Are they going to do a third season? Uh, this is not a question for us. This is a question for Laura. Yeah, no. we, we need them. I didn't know if anybody had heard anything on the group. yeah, But Laura, we know you're a fan, so if you're listening. That's right. Laura, tell us. Come and tell us. Hop on Skype right now if you dare. <laughs> or on the Tweety. Uh, so, uh, one of the oddest uh, festivals in the history of, of... Yes, Criada, we're going to talk about it. Very quickly, very quickly. we're Just gonna... quickly, that's right, because it's interesting. Is the Exeter, New Hampshire UFO Festival uh, known for me sitting down to have a discussion with Stanton Friedman? Yep. And, uh, uh, and Betty and Barney White's uh, niece. Betty and Barney Hills. Niece. Betty and Barney Hills. Betty White. Betty White is, yeah, Betty White's a whole different I don't know where that came from. <laughs> Betty came White. Alan Ludden, the ghost you were in. You were in <laughs> ghost of Alan Ludden, you're channeling him. Anyway, <laughs> for all you old people out there, you're laughing now. <laughs> uh, no, it's true. We went two years ago. We had a nice time, actually. We did. And we may go again sometime. Yes. I'd like to. Go. Um, anyhow, you the, guys have fun with that. We do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's the most fun you can have wearing a tinfoil hat. On right. a dog. On a, on a dog. With True. a shark fin. I added the shark fin. <laughs> we have no. It was there. We have the pictures. Shark fins, I think. Oh. But, but there were lots of tinfoil hats, surprisingly. Yeah, not surprisingly. Not surprisingly. Not surprisingly. Not senior citizens. That was surprising to me. Yeah, kind of was. But yes, uh, what happened? Are <laughs> what happened was uh, this past year, it, it, it has become a favorite of the UFO community. Apparently, there are people who do come from all over the country, and some people from different parts of the world actually to come to this little event that they have in Exeter. And this year, the person who usually puts it all together put a note out on the local paper, the Exeter Patch, um, saying that he wasn't going to be able to do it for various reasons and commitments, and that, sorry, everybody, it wasn't going to happen. Ironically, because when they do have this event, it does bring these hundreds of people, I didn't say thousands, hundreds of people into Exeter, New Hampshire, which hey, is kind of a small little town. town. Yeah. 
That's right. And they spend lots of money on their hot dogs and their little stores and the bookstore and all the cool little places in Exeter at the Loaf and Ladle and uh, like we did. And so the (laughs) not getting a free meal out of this. Move on. (laughs) And the Kiwanis said, you know what? We will take it up and take it over. So there will be the UFO Fest run by the Kiwanis this year. So nice of them to do that. Absolutely. Or something. Or something. <laughs> or something. And Stanton, if you're going to be there, we'll see you again this year, and we'll we'll talk more about those things that go bump in the sky. Or not. It's an insect. Oh, no, it's, no, no, it's an no. insect. Oh, gosh, I hope not. It, because if, if it is, Travis is going to be far too happy about it. It, anyway. it is. <laughs> which brings us to the halfway point in the show, the point at which we say to it, the dead redhead, Oh, lady, did we have a poll this week? We did have a poll. I don't know why I did that. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're channeling Jerry Lewis. <laughs> Better than Alan Ludden. Moving I guess, on. I guess. So this year, because we had talked a bit about Shakespeare last time, I actually thought, well, what is people's favorite sci-fi representation of Shakespeare or a Shakespeare play? So we had a few up there, and we had some ties again. We need to stop. Please, people, vote, because we need to stop breaking these ties. It's not cool. Um, So for third place, we had a tie between uh, the way that Shakespeare, as actually William Shakespeare, showed up in Midsummer Night's Dream, part of the Sandman comic book series, which is actually very cool. Um, And that tie. I'm sorry? Did you really like that? Because I didn't think it was all that good. But you know. Oh, the whole thing with Tatiana going up against um, 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 Cernos and, and yeah, I did. Okay, okay. I, I stand collected. <laughs> and uh, that tied with a Fritz Leiber short story, The Four Ghosts in Hamlet. And we've talked about Fritz Leiber before on the show. So if you haven't read that one, it's one of his best short stories. So go track it down, guys. We had a tie for number two between, again, somebody that we have talked to. The folks of Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are undead, which is a very fun movie. Once God, again, if you haven't tough. seen it, go find it. Go watch it. Very fun. Amazon Prime. Yes. And that was tied with uh, the original Star Trek episode, Conscience of the King, which had some Shakespeare in it. And a murder and a few other things going on. And at first place, not too much of a surprise, but very nice to see people remember it, was the movie Forbidden Planet, which we know is a takeoff on The Tempest. Was Doctor Who even on the list? He did not make the top three. Really? Yeah, he was He was like, see what happens when you don't vote. I know. I'm sorry. You could have moved him up. I know. But then you would have so, had like a three-way tie, and you wouldn't know what to do with yourself. And yeah, you know, I'm sure we'd have figured out something. <laughs> so a, a couple of Doctor Who notes we want to get to very quickly. Speaking of, uh, yeah, Winkley. Christopher Eccleston is going to return for the 50th anniversary, having had a change of heart, and uh, after saying, "I will never deal with the Doctor Who universe again after the way I was treated," after having a change in his pants. Evidently. I was going to say his, his wallet got lightened. Yeah, and that exactly. Was what <laughs> That's what yeah, I meant. And I kind of think, you know, as being the first of the new incarnation of the Doctors, 
I think it was kind of important that he be there. But kind really of the worst just, one. Like I, I disagree. I, I don't disagree. like him compared to the... Well, guess what? The Doctor Who character was not always likable. Well, I, it's not that I don't... It's not that I think that the next two were as likable. It's, it's not, I think he he was trying to be likable. Oh, I don't. I don't. I think that the, the, the twist that he brought was just the right one to bring him back in. And it was not even curmudgeonly. It was surly. Yeah, it was. But he was just playing I, hard to get. He liked the girl all along. Yes, he did. <laughs> he also like, really, really liked Captain Jack. Yeah. yeah. I'm just saying. <laughs> That's okay. I'll leave uh, that in there. And then, Zombrarian, you had something about uh, bringing classic Doctor Who back? I did. Um, BBC America, I think they said once a month, um, up till the 50th anniversary special, is going to air in order one serial from each of the classic uh, Doctor Who uh, seasons. So they're going to start next Ooh. month, I believe, with um, a serial from the very first Doctor and move on from there so that American audiences have a chance to kind of get caught up on classic Who before the 50th anniversary special happens. Cool. And it was also announced this week that the latest season of Doctor Who, which is I think season eight or season seven, part two, returns seven, to part both two. returns to both British television and American television on the same date, Woo. March thirtieth. Well, they've been doing that lately. Yeah, and they weren't supposed to do it this time, and then they, for some reason, have decided to do it, and I kind of like it. Because and now, spoilers. Because it yeah. doesn't really matter, because we live in a global sort of thing, which brings us to our next point, Zombrarian. Yes. What's our next point? Uh, that would that would be <laughs> the lovely show we attended this weekend, in which I believe it was the winner of their masquerade, um, sported a fantastic TARDIS dress, and we actually saw this in person. It was gorgeous, and it was it was just as fantastic in person as it is in in the pictures. Actually, maybe that should be our picture for this post. So say, will we have pictures? Uh, I I didn't take any. I didn't actually get a picture of her um, while I was there. But, but I there, know somebody who might there have. There are one. some circulating about. Um, and her she had a, a what's called a TARDIS princess gown, and it was lovely and blue, and it had a panel that opened up. On the front, and she could she could open it up and hold it open, and it looked lovely and princess-like, which showed the inside of the TARDIS being bigger on the inside. Bigger on the inside. It was adorable. <laughs> and where was it that you saw this? We saw this at Aresia, which took place last weekend at the Boston Weston Waterfront Hotel. And joining us from Aresia is Rachel Silver. Rachel, welcome to the show. Thank you, guys. Very welcome. Kriana, take it away. Well, so we had quite the good time at Aresia, actually. So Aresia is kind of unique, I think, in the fact that it spans four days instead of just two because it's on, on Martin Luther King Day weekend. Right. So we start Friday and we don't wrap up until Monday. 
So Zombrian and I could only get there Friday and Saturday, but we made good use of our time, let me tell you. <laughs> um, the guest of honor, or one of the guests of honor, was a band called Emerald Rose. They're pretty cool. They do all sorts of uh, Lord of the Rings type stuff. Um, they're, they're actually playing at the Oscar parties for The Hobbit. And they played at the ones for the Lord of the Rings, too, I, I think. And um, they, they were pretty cool. They had a sort of jam session Friday night that we went to. And they were very open and warm and inviting. Uh, Jeff, the music coordinator, was really great. Um, the, whole, the whole convention sort of just has this energy about it. It's really hard to describe unless you've been there. It feels small, but it's not a small convention. Rachel, what were the final numbers for the weekend? It, the final numbers, we had 3629 in attendance. Um, a little bit over 3,800 uh, bought badges, but uh, there's always some people who don't actually show. Uh, but um, 3,600 people were there. That was our biggest Eurasia ever. And I'm interested to hear you say that it felt small. I wonder what felt small about it, because... What we try to do is we try to be really diverse. We try to have a little bit of everything. Oh, it was. I, did, I, didn't I don't think it's small felt small. In, I think it felt Priana connected. Priana wouldn't interrupt me. Connected. That's a great word. I really love that. Yeah, it, because, felt, like, it felt like a tight-knit community and a welcoming community. Um, but it felt like... It, I, I kind of meant by small like small town or like connected yeah that's that's really great that's a great word i what we try to achieve here is have a bit of like a crossroads of the boston geek and science fiction community uh something for everybody we have um you know gaming and films and panels and concerts as you saw uh, later on in the con, the things that you missed were the masquerade on Sunday. Um, I don't know if you stayed for... You know, we always have a bunch of dances. Some of them are like SCA type dances. We have a couple of contra dances. And we also have just, you know, DJs and people rocking out and having a good time on Saturday night. All right. For those of our um, listeners who don't know, can you explain SCA for a minute? I'm sorry. For Society for Creative Anachronism. Yep. Uh, so that we have some people who will like teach Renaissance dance and you know lead some dances or or teach uh, maybe you'll be Victorian. The exact period we do varies from year to year. It's it's always a little bit different. Um. Well, well let's see. Uh, so in the masquerade, uh, the the TARDIS costume that's been on the web so much did. Uh, definitely was in the masquerade and was greatly appreciated by all of us, but it actually was not the winner of the masquerade which was, uh, if, if you don't mind me saying, a costume called The Clockwork Droid by uh, Clara Kim and Justin Nyquist, and I wish I had a, cost a picture for that, but I did not think of making one, getting one handy huh. but, but we had 37 costume presentations which were awesome uh, it that's that's a good size masquerade for us. It's varied over the years from like in the teens to up into the thirties, 
and this was like a nice big masquerade. I'm really happy with it. Now this is this is going to sound really weird and and kind of goofy, but um, some of the things that I noticed and appreciated most about Aresia had nothing to do with it being a science fiction convention or or even a fantasy or anachronism anime steampunk Aresia thing that it is. Um, it had to do with the little touches that showed that you guys put so much thought into putting this weekend together. Things like, every convention should have a freaking coat check. I don't understand why they don't. That was, like, it makes your life 100% easier. I have to tell you that our coat check staff looked at, we're supposed to start at 9.30 in the morning, and they looked at the program and noticed that some of our panels started at 8.30 in the morning and said, we'll be there an hour early. I was like, oh my god, you guys, you rock so much. Goat check staff, I salute every, you. I mean, that was the whole flavor of the whole work of being chair of this kind of working for a bunch of people who wanted it to be perfect. My god, it was hard to keep up. I, I salute you guys because not, that was so convenient to have and it just it just makes the experience better. Every con should have that. Now, number and two, there was mysteriously placed water everywhere. It was fantastic. You could never get dehydrated. I loved we it. We did that on purpose. Dehydrated people get cranky. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and then they get sick. And then we're all sad. And you know who else gets cranky? People with low blood sugar. <laughs> that was also taken care of. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. We have, like, the best food of any regional, of, of any of the local cons. We totally do. Not only do we feed you feed our attendees pretty well in the con suite, we do even better for our staff and our program participants. But we hide that. So, so like, <laughs> I, I mean... Just, just the amenities of being there. Usually, it's grueling and exhausting, and then you're lugging around your coat, and you can't find anything to eat, and you don't really want to leave and go try to find somewhere because you know everywhere's going to be packed because there's so many people at this con. And but you you took away all those sort of stresses, and it just smoothed over the con experience. It really did. It makes a That's world of difference. Here. You, That's lovely to hear. When I was walking through the lobby on Saturday and Sunday, and I was just like in this like swarm of smiling people, I felt like, yes, this is exactly what we wanted to accomplish. You know, I, I, I mean, I think it sounds like people. it's weird that I'm not talking about your guests or your panels right now. I'm talking about the water. But, like, it's, it's something that you guys do that I just, I haven't seen anywhere else. And it really does make a huge difference. Well, Kriana, think about it for a second. When, we, when we're at Boston and we have our booth... We're dying, we're exhausted, and we're participants. Yep. And friends of ours are all dumping their coats in our booth because there's no place else to put them. Yeah. Well, right. Yep. I mean, exactly. That's that's so true. And and yeah, I mean, to take care of your participants in that way is really a. It, it was a an outstanding, brilliant job. idea. And brilliant. I would like to say that your staff also was completely also outstanding. I didn't see anyone with a cranky face. The whole time we were there, I mean, it was early in the weekend. I admit, but still, that's thank you. It's great to hear that. I do want to talk about our guests for a moment. Oh, we had sure, great Excellent. guests Please. of honor this year. Our artist guest of honor was Roger Dean, who is famous for his Yes album covers back mm -hmm. in the seventies, yeah. and he is still 
producing art. He was he talked to us about his architecture and his visions of future cities, and his newer art and the things he's done since since then. He's done a lot more stuff since then. We had a bunch of his original art in the art show, which is um, really hard to get to see because it you know it's either in England or it's in San Francisco. It's kind of like we had to like ship it in from from fairly far. But, uh, you know, that was a, a treat to get to see some of these pieces and to see some of the prints that he makes of the older pe- of the famous pieces. He has them in these, like, two foot by four foot prints, which are really impressive to look at. And you can see every little detail that he put into those pictures uh, better than you ever can on a teeny tiny CD liner these days. Um and he's charming. He was charming and approachable and autographed things for people, autographed people's books, and was was a wonderful guest. Our writer guests of honor were Tanana Du and Stephen Barnes, who with Blair Atwood would have Blair Underwood, I'm sorry, have been doing a mystery series as a collaboration. And both of them um, do genre fiction on their own and in other collaborations. Uh, Stephen Barnes is became really well known when he was collaborating with Larry Niven on the Dream Park series. That was quite a long time ago, but he's gone on to do other screenplays and work in Hollywood and stuff like that. Tanana Do really focuses on kind of the horror and, and mystery angles of things and had some fascinating, fascinating things to say about putting history into her work and... Uh, both of them were wonderful guests. Stephen Barnes is also quite a martial artist, and the con attendees who were willing to get up early enough in the morning to join him in his Tai Chi presentations on Saturday and Sunday apparently had a really excellent time with that. So that was pretty special. And Emerald Rose, you already talked about, we got them up from Atlanta, Georgia. I met them on, on the one and only time I've been to Dragon Con, and they just knocked my socks off. They were so much fun. They're they really were so cool guys. Approachable. They were approachable and fun and musically varied and interesting. And I just listened to them, and I said to them right there on the spot of Dragon Con, if I can ever get you to Boston, I want to do that. And I, as soon as I had the chance to... Uh, invite them i did and they accepted in like seconds and i was so thrilled and everyone seemed to really enjoy them you know you know what i really enjoyed about them i'm sorry if i can interject here for a second sure um is is they held this this kaylee event and i say that loosely it was kind of half session half concert if you're sort of into that sort of thing like i am so i i of course brought my instrument and hopped along i was like sure why not i'm here it's boston this is what we do and um they were very excellent at drawing out people to share things that I don't think they would have necessarily done otherwise. So they, they were very good at taking people who were maybe thought they were too shy or weren't sh- they were coming and they weren't sure if they were going to participate. They were very good at drawing those people in and including them and making them feel comfortable participating. And what did you do, Kriana? I played with them. Okay. It was kind of open. It was nice. I just, I just want to say that they are great guys, but they are, they are great guys, but they're also great musicians on their own. Uh, their concert was full of energy, and they have a whole bunch of CDs that are available on their website if you 
are, and there's some music you can download from their website if you're curious. Emerald Rose is the name of the band. Yeah, they yeah. they do about like maybe fifty percent tradition, maybe less than fifty percent traditional tunes, and um, so I, I I did actually know a bunch of them, so I could just sort of play along. And yeah, they they were fantastic with including people. I mean, and I'm not I'm not saying myself either because I do this sort of thing literally every single week, so I'm totally comfortable in a setting like that. But they're, you know, some people who are coming from out of town. I mean, they're from Georgia. They don't get sessions and things in Georgia. You just you don't get that. There's not the community of um, music that you have here in Boston. Um, and I actually stopped by their booth to see if they were going to be around later on. Um, this week so that they could maybe come to some of the musical and cultural events but apparently they had to go um, yes but if we could have if we could have kidnapped them and kept them in boston maybe that would have been a better idea but <laughs> I, I suppose they'd have been missed back in <laughs> you know no they were really wonderful no, they I were fantastic totally they were and as a non-musician i really appreciated how they were they were really really talented um and they took traditional irish music and geek culture and they kind of fused them so seamlessly that i felt like i got it even when it wasn't necessarily something i knew a lot about so if you're an irish music fan you get their irish music jokes and if you're a geek fan or if you're a geek you get their geek jokes and they're they're so enthusiastic about everything they do and I think it just makes it that much better because it was like they're really good musicians and in listening to them would have been enjoyable if they had been uptight we are a traditional Irish band and this is how we do it but the fact that they had so much fun with it um, just really upped my enjoyment of it a lot it was really great so I mean all, all in all, I mean, we had a great time. I think, in summary of of things, um, your your app, you had the guidebook app for scheduling and maps and things like that, and that was phenomenal for scheduling. And if you can, if you have a smartphone and you download the app, you can just go through the schedule panels. You can add panels to your schedule and set reminders. It was really, really cool and convenient. Um, I would totally recommend that. And just in all, if you if you like panels, this is completely the con for you. Completely. There are so many panels about any topic your heart desires at any time from like five in the morning, well, seven in the morning till, you know, one in the morning. You got it. There's there's something going on and there's something for you, either official or unofficial, because there are a whole bunch of things like book book release parties and all sorts of stuff going on in the hotel rooms that, that were not on the official schedule. Um, the dealer room was a little small for me. I, so, like, if you're used to Boston Comic Con and that's what you're expecting, you're, you're going to be a little surprised by the size of the dealer room. And, and Artist Alley was literally kind of an alley, and, and the table sort of rotated which which surprised me at first. I didn't realize they were on a schedule, um, but some of the artists that they showcased, they were just absolutely fantastic. I I personally uh, found a really fantastic Potter, which you wouldn't maybe expect, but it's fantastic. And are you are, are you talking about real Levine by any chance? 
I also was impressed by her work. Yeah. Stamp. Oh my gosh, it's it, it literally beautiful. Like I don't, you can't even articulate. You have to show pictures, or even better, an actual object, because it's just <laughs> no. You don't even understand. They're beautiful. Um, she's so talented. It's just, you know, when you come across those talented people and you're like, wow, and your mind is just blown and you're like, how does everyone not love you yet? And then you get to watch (laughs) them sort of grow and people start to love them and you feel like hipster. I loved them before they were cool, but. (laughs) (laughs) So what I really think we've got at Arisha is it's, we really, you say, if you like panels, we've got panels, but if you like films, we've got films, and if you like anime, we've got anime, and if you like gaming, we've got gaming, and if, you know, that's really what we're trying to be. We're really trying to be, it's not, it's not just all, not even just that we want to be, have a little bit of everything, but we want people to get to taste each other's, you know, uh, things, the things that you wouldn't ordinarily do. Sometimes you get somebody who says, well, I don't know much about anime, but I can go sample a little bit here, and then I can go back to the things that I'm comfortable with. Or, and, and it gets the community all closer together. You know, We all know a little bit more about each other that way. And, and the, nice, the nice thing is that it's groups. It's connected groups all... You know, you, you do, I guess what I, what I heard from Kriana because I was unfortunately laid up this weekend and could not come to the festival, uh, was that it was just like a, a community, an interconnected community. And it's a very different feel from most conventions because of that. Well, compared to like, uh, compared to like uh, Anime Boston, which is, you know, 10 times our size or, or you know, or more, or compared to... Uh, a Comic Con kind of convention. We're much less, we're we're much less commercial, and we're much more dependent on the goodwill and the volunteering of all of the people who put it together. Um, it's a completely volunteer-run convention. Uh, it's, com- and it's really a labor of love by a lot of people. It we I when I hear you saying that, how about how comfortable and connected you felt. That just brings me great joy. That's exactly the reason we do it. Well, it came through loud and clear, that's for sure. I mean, everyone there was was happy. I mean, I you, you go through these Comic-Cons and, and you hear about, you know, cosplaying incidents where, you, you know, young ladies are made to feel uncomfortable. There, there were preemptive posters up that says costumes are not consent. I, was, I loved those. I was impressed by that. It's the little things. Or you... That was really important to us. We want to make sure that we are a safe and welcoming place. We, we, we learned from some of the problems in the community outside our con. We haven't had a lot of problems in the con, but we don't want to ever have those problems. And as we're growing and getting new people in, we want to make sure that they know what our community will will and won't tolerate and we want everyone to be respected and i think it shows a sort of maturity in leadership that that you're proactively thinking about that before you have an incident instead of being sort of reactionary about it thank you very much that i i'm gonna quote you (laughs) you can go right ahead (laughs) i'm gonna say kriana says (laughs) kriana from sci-fi saturday night 
Saturday, yeah. Saturday night says. That's well, right. Rachel, what, what, what we're hoping is that as plans uh, come into the mix for next year, that we can uh, be a part of it with you and uh, help promote the community so ahead that of time. ahead of time and, and more people can learn to enjoy this very, very unique festival. Let me quickly run down. We already know who next year's guests of honor are. Right. Oh, look our at that. Let's hear it, Tiny. Our artist, our writer guest is Tanya Huff, a YA author who does a lot of fantasy and series. She'll be she'll bring a very different tone than we had this year. Our artist guest is Lubov, a well-loved Russian ancestry fantasy artist. Um, her work was at the con this year but she'll be here herself next year. Um, and James Nichols uh, will be our fan guest of honor. Awesome. So we're all excited about that. And it'll be Martin Luther King weekend next year. Same bet, same place. Same place. Yeah, which back, was... at Boston Water, back at the Boston West, uh, Boston Western Waterfront Water. Hotel. In, there we go. <laughs> there we go. You know what I mean. That hotel, same place you were. Sorry about that. <laughs> and I have to ask, um, one of my favorite things, which I had absolutely no reason to participate in, but one of my, I thought it was such a great idea, was the Fast Track program. Oh, right. We have a program for kids from 6 to 12. We've basically run a little con within the con to keep them happy and entertained. Um, we, uh, crafts and games and movies and stuff that are all age appropriate for them. It's, a, it's really pretty special. I, that was my one big complaint was I kept seeing all these things and I was like, that looks so cool. I want to go to that one. And then it said fast track. And That's like, why we started having cool. a maker track for the grownups. Because we kept getting that complaint and that's, you know, we, so we had a chain mail workshop and a, Stitch and bitch and uh, 3D printing demo and all those toys. Sombrian and I actually did attend the Stitch and bitch, and we were we liked it very much. There was someone there who was teaching. Do you remember what it was called? Now binding. Yeah, that. Which was? (laughs) Do you remember what? Which is the earliest? It's um the earliest form of knitting. It was cool. Oh, it was really cool. It was really really cool. I mean, it's just a, such a subset. I, I think that's really what, what Arisha is all about, is, like, bringing together all these subsets. So you've got, like, geek knitters, and you've got, like, geek chainmail people, and then, yeah, lots and lots of different special, special interests were very, very fulfilled. I'm so glad you guys had a great time. That's really what it's all about. Well, you've clearly, clearly uh, impressed <laughs> uh, a young lady who it's difficult to impress from time to time. Are you saying <laughs> that I'm cranky? Oh, no, yeah. not at all. No, no, no. I would never say that and live. Mm. You know why? <laughs> because they provided water and food. And whenever she gets cranky, it's because she hasn't eaten. It's true. <laughs> well, if we're going to get some food in her... Then Zombrarian, we need to talk about who's going to be on in the next couple of weeks. We do. Ah, and the calendar's not here yet. It's coming quickly. Next week. 
on February 2nd. It will be Groundhog Day, and it will also be the day that we yet again, in honor of Groundhog Day, talk to Tracy Hickman, one of our favorite guests and authors. He's got a bunch of new projects to tell us about. I see what you did there. Queen of Gotham 2. Queen of Gotham (laughs) 2. Sequels, repeat guests, the Groundhog Day theme. Gotcha. And the week after that, on February 9th, we're going to be talking to Jeff from Queen City Kamikaze, um, which is a con that will be happening on February 16th and 17th up in New Hampshire. So mark your calendars for all that. And don't... Redhead, who's talking now? Good Redhead. I guess that would be me then. (laughs) Okay. Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of the Boston Comic Con, Granite Con, and of ComicArthouse.com. Visit ComicArthouse.com for the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. Tonight's outro music provided by the Traffic Lights. Pick up their CD, Hold the Folk, at RobWattsOnline.com. Don't. I want to thank Rachel Silver for joining us today and talking to us about that very special Parisian convention. We'll be hearing more about that in the coming months, I'm sure. I want to thank our cast tonight for making tonight a truly chilly evening. From the Revere Time Vortex, the sweetheart of the soundboard, Griana and Grammar Girl Sombrarian. Thank you so much, ladies. Smell you later. Nug is a bug in the tauntaun. From the Four Color Vault of Comics. Thank you, Dead Redhead. It's as cold as a witch's well next week on Sci-Fi Saturday Night. <laughs> this is the Dome saying, Genie, shared pain is lessened, shared joy is increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Good night, everyone. I know!